0: All right, all right. We got to start off this episode of the podcast with me coming clean and having to bow down and once again suffer from the consequences of what was a quote unquote friendly wager between myself and my co-host Jordan Helley over our NFL teams matching up on an NFL weekend. It was the Lions versus the Bears, my Lions versus Jordan's Bears. My Lions actually came in winless, but they kind of competed in at least a couple of those losses. And so I was feeling pretty confident going in against the Bears team that accumulated barely positive yards as a a total offense the previous week with a rookie quarterback. And so the Lions, of course, against Justin Fields and company, they went down 24-0, scored a couple of meaningless touchdowns at the end. I guess they were kind of possibly threatening to get back into the game uh, decided because man, Campbell, the uh, testosterone pill with legs on the sideline for the lions talking about biting ankles and knees. And you don't have time to do math when you're biting ankles and knees, you don't have time to consider kicking a field goal when you're down 10 and you know, you need a field goal and a touchdown to get back into the game. So they go for it. Jared Goff is pulling off these magician type tricks where uh, he's throwing interceptions without even attempting a pass. Like I've never seen anything like that before. So hey, congrats to you and the Bears. And I guess I lose the bet. Yeah, that's uh, fair and
1: square. Fair and square. Good on you. Um, I didn't have to change my background on uh, the other podcast. <laughs> so, so that works out good. Yeah, it's 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 one of those where it's like, man, these these Bears Lions games, you kind of just leave feeling like nobody wins. <laughs> <laughs> like I I was encouraged. Justin Fields showed a little bit more, right? They looked much better. Then that Browns game, I really was not confident. I thought the Lions were gonna win, which is no constellation prize to you. I'm not trying to show you any pity or anything, but but yeah, it was it wasn't like he lit the world on fire, but they you know went up 24-0 and and you figure it out. The only bummer is I think it's continually saving Matt Nagy's job. And I am at that point where I just want them to move on. Um, which maybe it won't be good for
0: Justin Fields development, but whatever. They need a coaching change. It is tough, man. It has been a tough existence as a Detroit Lions fan. Do you have a Bears hat for me? Because that was your side of the bet. If the Lions lose, I got to don a Bears hat and we go golf. Yeah, I got, I got, I got some. I got some. We we can we can we can figure it out. All right, I got a weird shaped head, so just a warning. I'm not sure if it's going to fit okay, but I guess the the funnier it fits, probably the better for for the bet, right?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll 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 mold it to your size. I think I got one that has the
0: snapback, so you know you can you can you can adjust it. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. And with that, we welcome you to this latest episode of Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy and Jordan Helley. And we're talking with a guy who received national recognition this past week, the Bronco Nagurski Defensive Player of the Week. He was also the Mountain West player of the week on the defensive side he is the guy who plays that sort of hybrid safety linebacker position for the university of hawaii Corey bethley he accumulated not one but two interceptions plus a strip sack forced fumble that was crucial in hawaii's upset win over nationally ranked fresno state at clarence tc ching athletic complex this past saturday 27 24 was the final you had matt shipley who kicked the game-winning field goal as it would be. Uh, You had Hugh Nelson picking off Uh, the final interception on what was Fresno State's last gasp drive. If they had thrown a touchdown, they would have won the game. So a game-saving INT. In fact, six turnovers for Fresno State. Uh, And then you also had the first career start for Braden Shager, the freshman quarterback for the University of Hawaii, as it was one of the best-kept secrets in town that Chevin Cordero was not going to start because of an undisclosed injury. And so Cordero, their veteran QB, their guy, Does not play. Braden Shager gets thrown into the mix. And while you could tell that maybe they were trying to uh, be somewhat conservative offensively as far as how many times they were letting him unleash the football, it started to get a little bit more liberal and and a little more daring as the game went on. And he started to look more and more confident. Also helped that Hawaii ran the ball effectively once again, starting to maybe find that identity as an offensive unit. But uh, it was really all phases of the game. Leading to this epic victory for Hawaii. And we're going to talk with Corey Bethley in just a little bit, but that is our first lead in topic here because uh, that's the talk of the town. It's just unfortunate there were no fans there to rush the field because I think this would have been the christening of Clarence T.C. Ching Field, that turf for sure, with even if there were only like 500 fans uh, in the stands, I'm, I'm guessing at least 50% of them would have rushed the field. Yeah, and that, that's the thing with uh,
1: with Ching, right? It's um, it's not hard to get on the feed. <laughs> no, it's right there. Once people get in there, once yeah. people get in there, it's um, it's kind of advantageous to that. I don't know if the uh, the powers that be and like you know the government would have loved that, right? If it's like, hey, all these people just run together. But it was, yeah, it was a tremendous performance. I mean, it, you, you got to start on the defensive side of the football, right? Six, six turnovers, four interceptions, uh, basically. Uh, a turnover on the first drive for Fresno state and the last drive for Fresno state. And that led to, to Hawaii, you know, starting strong and, and finishing strong. And in the middle, it was, you know, they, they, they had a 10 point lead and then were down by 10 all of a sudden. So it, it, it was, you know, a little mixed bag there, but that, that defense, you know, they're, they're starting to, what we have seen the last few weeks, they are starting to find themselves. I think, and we'll talk to Corey Bethley about this. Um, but I think growing into an identity where it's like, look, they're going to give up yards They may give up some points like that is sort of college football, right? (laughs) That is, that is the way the game is played now. Um, But if you can hit and you can take the football away and they did that right Four interceptions, two fumbles. Um, If you can do that and steal possessions that way. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying that we can expect six turnovers every week or plus five in the turnover margin every week, but if you can force several turnovers, right. Including in crucial drives, late in halves, late in games, um, you know, in in the opponent's territory where you can give your offense short fields, those are the things that add up, right? You, you, you're, you're breaking serve, if you will, to, to borrow the tennis analogy. And if they can do that, you know, two, three, four times a game, they're going to put that, they're going to put themselves in good positions. And they did that against San Jose state. They did that for portions of that New Mexico state game. Um, and, and really throughout this Fresno state game, right. And, and, and giving this team an opportunity to go win the football game, and and it it obviously helps when you got a, a freshman quarterback making his first ever collegiate start. Um, but we talked about it last week on the pod. Like they they this team needs to run the football deflectively for this offense to work effectively, and they did that. And, and you got to tip your cap to that offensive line, which has been a little short-handed, uh, but they just ran right over this Fresno State front, and Day Hunter was running inspired. I mean yards after contact churning those legs and and the other interesting thing about it no knock on Shager but but he really wasn't a run threat like there was no indication that he was going to keep a ball on on zone runs much like Chevin Cordero right with Chevin, he is a threat and they didn't even have that and yet they were still running right at Fresno State and that of course opens up the passing game opens up some of the play action allows Hawaii to, to take some of the deep shots which which they clearly like Right. And, and work to varying degrees of success. But but yeah, it started with the defense setting the tone and and the offensive the offensive line. And so for I think for Todd Graham, he's got to love that. Right. It was basically the physical defense and the physical offensive line exerting their will. And that's how they found the way to win this
0: game. Yeah. And you get a little fortunate, right? Jay Kaner's sure. pass goes through the receiver's hands and right to Hugh Nelson to seal the game. Uh, but you need some of that especially when you're going up against a nationally ranked opponent. It has worked the opposite way for Hawaii uh, at times already this season. Uh, But when you are able to go up against a guy like Jake Hayner, who had one of the memorable performances. Remember last second touchdown throw, he was the hero against UCLA, the team that demolished Hawaii in that opening game of the season. Uh, and then you go up against him and Jake Hainer is forced to throw five or or, or commit five turnovers, four of those turnovers interception. He also had a fumble. Uh, I mean, you're doing something right. You are pressuring the quarterback and that according to Todd Graham has always been the name of the game pressure the quarterback good things happen from there and that's what we saw in Corey Bethley there's just something about this guy man the way he has played uh, back when he first arrived in Manoa under the previous regime they used him a little bit more as a pure safety Uh, he's a little bit more of that now described hybrid linebacker safety under this defensive scheme Uh, but the guy always regardless of position regardless of where he sets up on the field always seems to be driving downhill, always seems to be playing with a certain amount of reckless abandon. Uh, And it's great to see he's also a really, really good guy. He's been through some stuff in his life. Uh, But a guy who does it on the field, does it in the classroom, and really looking forward to playing that interview with him in just a little bit.
1: And and the the other thing I wanted to add about that defense, and and we didn't get a chance to necessarily ask Corey about this, but it was was the first real time, and and they've shown flashes of this, but I remember – When we interviewed Todd Graham on this very podcast, so shameless plug, go back to last year and and listen to that before he started his first day. He talked about wanting his defenses to harken back to some of the Hawaii defenses he remembers playing against, right? He talked about bringing his Tulsa teams down there and leaving on a plane and his team feeling it for like weeks afterward. And he talked about just the physical nature that Hawaii defenses were known for. Um, And you saw that, right? I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you want to wish Jake or any ill will or something like that. But that dude was hurting. Right. And, and he had to come out of the game at a point. And and, and so it kind of I, I, re, I remembered back to the conversation we had with Todd Graham and him, what he wanted to see out of his defense. And I think we saw a bit of that on Saturday night. And I, I'm interested to see if they can keep that building, um, you know, throughout the second half of the season.
2: All right, so
0: switching gears a little bit, we go from the gridiron to hoops, and as opposed to a celebratory story about the University of Hawaii and its exploits, we go to yet another disappointing story and a major headline as it pertains to the island of Maui for the second straight year, Jordan, Uh, we're not going to be able to witness on the Valley Isle the Maui Jim Maui Invitational. It is moving again. Remember last year because of COVID, they played on the other side of the country in Asheville, North Carolina. They're not going as far this time around to the ninth island as it's being marketed. But the Maui Invitational is being moved To Vegas, and this is in large part because of the restrictions that are still currently in place throughout the state of Hawaii, even though they vary somewhat from county to county it wasn't necessarily an announcement that we weren't anticipating or expecting. uh, But it doesn't take away the level of disappointment that we feel in response to that announcement and i think what you start to at least worry about and, and maybe this is a bit of a sky is falling type of mentality but uh, it has to be brought up and rob coleus of the maui news brought it up in a column as well is you have to ask the question as to whether or not we're starting to see a possibility manifesting that the maui invitational as a tournament regardless of the name may start to consider uh, just being held elsewhere In general, maybe that's just being really pessimistic. You know, maybe we are overthinking things. Uh, You start to wonder if maybe that becomes an attractive longer term move for the coordinators of the Maui Jim Maui Invitational. How does all this hit you, Jordan? Yeah, first off, the news uh,
1: obviously really bummed, right? I mean, look selfishly we cover that thing right then and, and <laughs> we earn some money doing so for, for for local radio here and and uh you know for full disclosure there but it, it's such a it's such a magical tournament and to to not have it for two years in a row now especially you know with some really good fields which is almost redundant right every year um the the fields are terrific um but it, it, it i was holding out hope because we had gotten so far into the fall right i mean this this announcement basically coming on the 1st of October, which is less than two months before this tournament is to take place. And last year, the decision was made much earlier, I think, because of everything involved, right? And this was pre-vaccine and everything like that. So it totally made sense. This year, I think there was legitimate hope. And there was, at least from the outside looking in, a l- honest, earnest effort by the tournament. So Kemper Lesnick, which owns the tournament and all of their partners, ESPN television, um, the, tur- the tournament committee, Dave Odom, who serves as the chairman, everybody involved to play it on Maui because they could have pulled this a long time ago. They they really could have. And-, and it would have made sense. Right. Because of all the uncertainty with the Delta surge a month and a half ago, things looked like it was pretty bleak, but they waited. They really did. They waited until less than two months before this tournament. And so that to me shows that they, they really tried. They really did. And and this is pure speculation, but it, it, it you know, it, it kind of times up with the news coming down that, that Hawaii football wasn't going to have any fans as well. So I don't know if there was kind of a blanket decision that, that kind of went out right from the governor's office that maybe said, look, that, like as of now, we, we can't approve any of this stuff. And so my guess is October 1st was kind of the date that, that a lot of people had circled at least within the tournament, like, okay, we, we, we got to move, right? And, and Vegas is a logical fit because it is an, it is a ready-made venue, right? You can move a tournament there in like a week and sell tickets and people are coming. Um, but because of what I would assume it was was that earnest effort and because of the magic of the tournament, I'm still pretty confident. Like, I think like everybody else, it's got to be in the back of your mind, right? Like, look, hey, this keeps going on. We thought by this year, it'd be back to normal. We'd, we'd figure out a way, right? And and look, there there are... There are ways to do it, right, with, with with vaccinations and negative tests and things like that. The arithmetic I get is much different when you're talking about an indoor venue, a small indoor venue, as opposed to trying to do something outside like University of Hawaii football. But I think the the magic of the venue, the intimacy of the venue, is what makes it special. I think the folks involved with the tournament still value Maui. I think the teams that come year after year who are lining up to still come basically every chance they get. And those are blue bloods, right? North Carolina, Duke, UCLA, not Kentucky under Cal. We know that. But those programs, those coaches, and those boosters, they still want to come. They still, as as fun as Vegas is, as fun as Vegas is, they still want to spend Thanksgiving week in Hawaii, right? They still want to spend Thanksgiving week in Lahaina. And I think that as maybe, you know, pumping our own chest a little bit as, you know, maybe a, a little arrogant about it. Like they, it, there's nothing like that, right? You can talk about the Bahamas tournament, whatever. There is still nothing like that in the landscape. And I think the people who have money, when it boils down to it, still want to come here. And if the Maui Invitational cease to exist and it becomes the Las Vegas whatever, I got to imagine another company, another television company will figure out a way to come here. Like they'll, they'll fill the void. Like I, I just can't see it going away forever. Um, because of all of the things that it presents and all of the value that people still see in it, um, and again, the, the the big the big sign to me was the fact that they waited until October 1st to make this official, um, and, and that shows that they they really want to be here. And, and I'm I'm fairly confident that uh, we'll we'll see them back. God, I hope next year, <laughs> but but I, I th- when they can come back, I think they'll come back. I really do.
0: I think those are really valid points and certainly uh does settle some of that fear. Um also the good news is there's already a Las Vegas Invitational being played that same week as a matter of fact the University of Hawaii is going to be playing in that. Yeah. Uh so they can't take that name. Uh so maybe that's something that wards them off from that option as well. But my concern would be, you know, the more you tempt fate, uh, the more often this happens, say this thing blows up in terms of ratings, say it becomes this sensation there, wherever it's being held, and maybe it's it's living in Hawaii and sort of enduring heartache after heartache and disappointment sure. after disappointment on a number of different levels, uh, and so there is a fear factor here. But you just wonder if thing if this thing goes off, the perceived obligation to hold that tournament. In Maui, uh, maybe that's lessened or dampened to a degree. That's the only fear uh, that I I have is, uh, you know, the better this thing performs, the more often you have it held elsewhere, uh, the more likely it is that they start to consider, hey, maybe that's not required uh, to make it work uh, to have to be in Lahaina Civic Center. But I agree with you on all the other things. It's, It's part of the branding. It certainly is part of the romance Uh, And so uh, you would hope that that does not fade uh, even after yet another year being held on the continent. We hope that that bad boy comes back. All right, well, it's uh, Major League Baseball postseason time. The playoffs underway. My Mets, your Cubs, nowhere to be found among the postseason (laughs) participants. But uh, that's not to say that there aren't some intriguing and compelling matchups that we're going to be looking at. First off, you had the wild card games, right? The Yankees got bounced by the Red Sox in what was the latest chapter in that long-storied rivalry. Uh, You also have the Dodgers. Uh, They're able to advance into the NLDS where they are going to meet their arch rivals the San Francisco Giants it's the first postseason meeting between these two franchises really ever the formal formatting of the postseason so here they are an NLDS between the Giants and the Dodgers how into this thing are you and and what other matchups uh, are intriguing in your mind
1: with with, with the Cubs and um, Mets out of it I I feel like Juan Soto Uh, and now I'm just cheering for like former teammates right are former players of my favorite team and so Juan Soto was wearing Trey Turner's jersey and giving Max Scherzer high fives after the Dodgers walk it off um in the NL wild card game like you know I'm I'm, I'm pulling for Chris Bryant and the San Francisco Giants and and I found myself rooting for both Kyle Schwarber and Anthony Rizzo when the Yankees and Red Sox played it's like all right whoever wins this game I'll just cheer for them in the American League uh so that's where I'm at which is probably pretty sad <laughs> As, as a sports fan but that's where i'm at so uh hopefully it's red sox giants and we get uh we get a couple of Cubs sluggers going at it for uh for a second ring respectively um the giants Dodgers series i mean maybe it's a west coast thing maybe it's it's the history there maybe it's just the the hated rivalry right um i spent some time in in los angeles during my my college years and and that, that is a town that that loves their dodgers and they they've got a a really fervent fan base and anytime you bring the Giants to town it is always a little dicey (laughs) um and and so that's gonna be a lot of fun and 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 I know right they've 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 had playoff games in terms of like game 163 or whatever in in years past right I mean you you think to uh, you know the Giants win the pennant um famous call but but it's it's kind of cool you get them in a playoff series right at the very least I mean this is a legit playoff series and and so I think the ratings are going to do well um and and just the wild card games it just kind of reminds you not that we need reminding, but, but playoff baseball is such a different animal. One, it takes way too long. Uh, but two, the, just the, the, the drama of every single pitch and yeah. every single decision and Dave Roberts taking out Max Scherzer yesterday and just the tension in Dodger stadium when that happens. And, and look, it's a little dialed down because they won last year, but can you imagine if they were still chasing that championship? Um, the, the, the Red Sox game Fenway park, like it's hard to say there's a better postseason venue than that. And I say that as a Cubs fan and Wrigley and how magical that was when they made it to the world series. But that place is just like a tinderbox, man. (laughs) One, they're on top of you. And two, the the fans are just insane. Um, So yeah, just playoff baseball. I just enjoy playoff baseball and just the drama of it all. Um, But yeah, I'm going to be paying attention probably to the Dodgers giants the most, you know, it'll be on a little bit later our time. So it's a little more viewing friendly. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at when it comes to the MLB playoffs. I think it'll be fun. I think there's some really good teams.
0: Well, by that thinking, I guess I could jump on the Dodgers bandwagon, right? Justin Turner, a former Met, I can uh, I can lament the fact that the Mets have uh, been the farm club for many <laughs> a uh, superstar with other franchises. But uh, yeah, I, I am compelled uh, by that matchup you know i I happen to have grown up in a household that loves san francisco sports my dad attended the university of san francisco so he's niners and uh, golden state warriors and giants all day every day and so uh, there is an exposure to that rivalry that i've had that i think feeds into my intrigue Uh, and i am looking uh, forward to that but you're right i think the greater point is baseball with stakes. Right. Is is like nothing else. And I would even venture to say that it might be more of a stressful experience as a fan if you are invested in it than any other sport. It is every pitch. It winds up tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And here's the pitch and it's one-on-one and it's down to this pitcher versus this hitter. Uh, and, and if the ball's put in play, like who knows? And, and I don't know, that tension to me makes baseball pretty unique, but it takes 162 games sometimes to establish that, right? I mean, you did have some of that on the last day of the regular season, but to me, that's the thing. When you have the wild card, that one-off or that game seven or that game five, all the stakes are on the line. That's when baseball is exciting, and I would even go so far as to say it might be as stressful and as exciting just due to that tension than any other sport. Uh, that would be uh, that would be my hot take here uh, on this episode of the podcast. Yeah, it's um so it's got the most downtime, right?
1: So what makes it kind of a trudge through the regular season? It is what makes it so dramatic during the postseason, right? Because there is so much. Where you're just like on pins and needles, and and you're waiting, right? You're waiting, and that, and that just builds the drama. And so, you know, maybe maybe not four and a half hours for a nine inning game in the playoffs. <laughs> we could maybe speed that up a little bit, but you can't. It's hard to deny the drama.
0: Yeah, I believe the translation of my take now that I think about it too is uh, baseball is so much more exciting uh, because those other sports have all that action. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell kind of take is that? Uh, volleyball would be another sport, actually, as an underdog uh, nominee or candidate for that tension, right? Every yeah. single serve, rally, scoring, especially when it comes down to it. So yeah, I think we just we just love that, or at least I love that uh, that kind of wound up drama. While we're on the baseball topic, real quick, uh, regular season is pow. We are on to the postseason. And so uh, we can debate about who you think should be the NL and the AL MVP. I think certainly the debate on the American League side has been much more heated, right? It comes down to basically Shohei Otani versus Vlad Guerrero Jr. So who you got? Are you a Shohei guy? Or are you a Vlad guy? And give me your MVP on the NL side as well. Yeah, the the, the NL, I'll
1: kind of just get that out of the way. Uh, it, it's kind of tough, right? Because the three to me the three candidates whether you're talking about bryce harper fernando tatis jr or juan soto uh none, none of them made the playoffs and and at the end of the day like the final week of the season none of them were close well especially <laughs> the, the, the nationals right who weren't, weren't good at all uh but juan soto is having like all-time type second halves uh i'm a huge juan soto guy i don't know if he did enough in the second half to maybe leapfrog um a bryce harper fernando tatis jr i think i'm going with harper Uh, I think what he did throughout the the duration of the season, um, cutting down on his strikeout rates and and you look at some of the advanced numbers, he was, he was really good. He was really, really good. So I'll give the edge to Harper there, but I don't know if you told me Tatis wins, like I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, and then on the AL side, I love Vlad Jr. But Joey, the guy, he didn't put up quite Guerrero numbers, right? He's just behind in the home run race. He's a a fair amount behind the RBI race. You look at some of the advanced numbers. Shohei, I think is a little more favorable there, especially when you're looking at stuff as simple as like OPS. And then he was also one of the best (laughs) pitchers in the league. So it's like, look, if Vlad pitched as like, like, he wasn't a pedestrian pitcher. He was a really good pitcher who sure didn't have the numbers that you would say, like put him in Cy Young contention. But when you couple that with what he did at the plate, hitting 40 something home runs, his OPS about like right under a thousand, I think his, his advanced numbers, his walk rate, like sure. He strikes out a, a lot, but I everyone mean, does. Come on. yeah, that's the, yeah, exactly. But that, that like, how do you, I, I, I don't understand how he can't win. Like there's, there's no way at all. Well, the pitching awards, the Cy Young award or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. It's the MVP. It counts for everything. That's, that's fair. Like we've had pitchers win the MVP before. Like the key, he is he is the best player in baseball because of what he does on the mound and at the plate. And so look, Vlad deserves all the credit he
0: gets, but the award is Shohei's. Like the, he, Otani is the guy, he's the choice. Well, the thing about it is Shohei is <laughs> unprecedented. We've never seen this before. And to that end, because of that, he should reap the rewards, right? He did something that has not actually been done you can say since the days of babe ruth but even in terms of his numbers his importance to that team in overall offensive percentages it's unbelievable and vlad guerrero is going to be a generational uh hitter for a long time in this league and he probably will win uh, an mvp or more Uh, but i think in this particular season what shohei did I mean, it has to be rewarded. And then on the National League side, uh, he missed some time, but I'm a Fernando Tatis guy. I just, I just think, again, his uh, importance to that team, the overall offensive percentages, uh, and then what he does in the field as well defensively. Uh, this guy is, is out of his mind good. Uh, and, and so I think he deserves uh, MVP recognition. All three of those guys are really good. I love Juan Soto. He might be my favorite NL player right now, just in the way he gesticulates in the batter's box and just his overall demeanor. I love it. I love it. But I, I think Fernando Tatis has got to be the guy. He would probably uh, get my vote. All right, and with that, we get to our talk with Corey Bethley. Uh, this guy has been reaping the rewards, literally. All kinds of accolades come in his way, uh, both from the conference, the Mountain West as the Defensive Player of the Week, and also a national honor, the Bronco Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Hawaii coming off of that upset win over Fresno State. We talked a little bit about that, but let's get into our discussion with Corey Bethley. A good guy, great football player, uh, and a guy who's uh, now on the national radar. All right, we're here with Corey Bethley, and what a week. I mean, it seems like every day another award is bestowed on you for what was just an unbelievable performance in that upset victory over Fresno State on the UH Lower Manoa campus. And uh, so I guess the first question has to be, how has this felt here over the last several days to catch this kind of recognition?
2: Um, Honestly, it's been just a huge blessing, you know. Um, Obviously, I just... thankful for you know thankful for for God and just my my family my teammates um the medical staff here um but I I couldn't have done any of this without them so I'm truly thankful for all that and it's just it's been a tremendous blessing just knowing like all the hard work that I've done and put in has a it's starting to pay off you know people are starting to notice it and uh just really, really humbling but you know also I just know I got so much more to do, like I feel like I left a lot on the field last week just from watching that field and just knowing that I can play a lot better. Um, but definitely, you know, enjoy enjoying just just the accolades that came and taking it in, but really just blessed and just thankful for it all.
0: So two interceptions, a forced fumble, numerous hurries in on all of these uh, numerous plays, you still feel like you could have played better.
2: Yes, definitely, you know, um, and I just think that's just how I am, you know, my brother, my brother said the same thing, you know, my brother, he's my biggest critic, uh, and that's the same thing, you know, I had two pass interference calls, and it's like, look, you know, you made these plays, but look, you had also had two pass interference calls, and you know, that's just how I, that's just how I've been always as a kid, just growing up, you know, I'm competitive, I'm always going to try to find a way to perfect my craft and be better, and I definitely feel like I have so much more room for improvement in a lot of areas. So, yeah. Well,
0: let's start with your, your role here on this particular defense, because it has been described as sort of a hybrid safety linebacker position. Can you talk about what your role is and, and sort of what your uh, objective is uh, throughout a football game?
2: Um, yeah, so my role is looked at as, like, that hybrid um, safety position, uh, hybrid linebacker safety. Um, and on this defense, you know, Coach Graham, they do a great job of scheming up stuff um, to really just try to get me around the ball more. Um, and whether so teams can – I can play to the boundary and to the field and have the ability to move both sides. Like, this past week I lined up to the boundary a lot. Um, and kind of was playing like a, a outside linebacker type, defensive end type sometimes uh, to the boundary. And then, but also having the ability to come out of that and go to the field and come off the edge or drop back into coverage. So, I mean, it's really just, the role is just wherever, you know, coach Graham needs me or is going to put me, you know, I'm up for it. And it, it's kind of, it's a real awesome challenge to have, you know, cause like I've never done a lot of this stuff. So just getting thrown into the fire and just adapting um, it's been great um, and I also learn a lot, you know, I'm talking to like guys like Jonah Lulu my roommate he plays defensive line so i'm like. hey like can you give me some techniques here if, like I, I never done this before like certain stuff. But it, it's a it's a really big role, but you know I, I, I prepare a lot for it, and you know I take it really personal to you know to have that preparation, so that when i'm on the field, I could play fast and just you know, let my instincts take over and be able to make plays.
1: Yeah, Corey, it's so funny, right? Because if if I remember correctly, that that sack, strip fumble uh, comes from the boundary side, as you said, you know, you were playing, you were lining up a little bit more uh, there, especially when you were up near the line of scrimmage, you put a little pass rush move on, your roommate Jonah Lulu recovers the fumble. So what was that conversation like? Is that a move he taught you? Is that something from your bag of tricks? Were you, were you showing him the film after and be like, hey, Jonah, you might want to work this in the repertoire or something? What was that conversation like?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, it's crazy. I didn't even know he recovered the fumble till like the next day when we were watching the film. I was like, oh, it's crazy. But you know, it's just like that roommate connection, you know. Um, but man, uh he's he's taught me a lot, honestly. Uh just this off season, you know, we worked out a lot together. Him, Jonah Welch, you know, guys like Justice Tavai, um, Dewan, like they've all I all take tri- little tips from them, like and just watching them in practice and talking to them on some moves or how to how to rush the quarterback from you know certain spots or you know it's all we all just try to pick each other's game and just elevate each other and you know that's that's the one thing to have you know everybody feeding into each other and just iron sharpening iron
1: how how you, you describe to us your role how natural of a fit is that for you how much has it taken kind of getting reps in there and and building into that because I, th- I think we're seeing right some of the fruits of that labor, but was it a, was it a natural fit was it something that that's taken a little bit of time what, what describe to us kind of that process as you as you grew into this role.
2: Um yeah uh, it was I definitely say like last year because my prior to this my freshman sophomore year I only lined up at boundary safety um so my junior year like it was a little of a change, but. You know, I feel like I was a little uncomfortable, like at the start of the season. And as the season started going, I started to get more comfortable and just playing better ultimately and just feeling more confident in that position and starting to do more and more. And then just this off season, you know, I had seen like the impact that that position could have on the field and make a lot of plays. So, you know, I just really started to w- dive in more deep to it, watch more tape, you know, work more techniques on like what could help me in certain positions and stuff and just doing that I think definitely helped pay it off and stuff and yeah.
0: You know what's so striking about the way you play is uh, you always seem to approach the game with this reckless abandon like you're always going downhill. Um, Where does that come from what sort of got you into that mentality and that mode uh you talk about wanting to play fast but it always seems like i mean you are going downhill you are going at a target when you're out there on the field
2: yeah um honestly i think just my passion you know when i I play with a lot of passion i think you gotta be you gotta have passion to play this game and you know i think that that passion just comes from my childhood I've, i've seen a lot been through a lot and just knowing like. I got an opportunity, you know, to change my my life, my family's life, my parents' life, you know. So when I got on that field, you know, I got a why to why I do what I want what I do on the field, you know, why I gotta go hard this rep. And also I just want that to be, you know, I take I take that with pride, you know. I want my game to be that I'm physical, you know, and I may not be the biggest or the fastest or the strongest, but you know, I try to let my presence be known on the field that, you know, you're gonna. If you're gonna come to me, you're gonna have to feel me. You got to bring it, cause I want your best, and you're gonna get my best every time.
0: Well, you had your best going this past week, that's for sure. And and since you mentioned it, some of what you went through, uh, through your uh, life, early childhood, uh, if I may ask you. Because it seems as though you play with a certain amount of inspiration. Uh, and I know you lost your mom when you were six years old. Uh, you have that tattoo honoring her on your arm. That is something that I know is with you in spirit. Every single time you take the field is the memory uh, of her. And could you, if if you would, if you don't mind, uh, just shed a little more light on how that continues to drive you to this day?
2: Yeah, you know, I lost my mom at six years old. And, uh, you know, when I was... When I was young, you know, I didn't really know too much what was going on, but you know, I, I was able to see a lot. And as I got older, it, it started to click to me, but you know, seeing my mom just fight, you know, she had brain cancer. So seeing her fight, you know, she in and out of surgeries a lot and uh, treatments a lot. So just seeing her fight until literally her last breath, you know, it always like has just gave me that edge to like want to strive to be great and never, never quit because my mom never quit on on anything you know so she put her all into everything and she always fought so you know that's just always drove me and just give me just gave me passion into what it whatever i do you know i'm gonna do put my all into it whether it's school whether it's football you know i'm gonna put my all into it and never give up and you know just continue to strive for greatness
1: How how much of that um is kind of guided you through what has been a a, a wild journey, I would say at at the University of Hawaii, right? Uh, I mean, whether it's bowl wins, coaching changes, COVID years, empty stadiums, like you name it. And and you in particular, and a handful of those guys that came in with you in that recruiting class, you know, you guys have had to overcome a lot. Um, And and so how much does that, or has that sort of guided you through this process? and, And what have you made of your time there on campus at the University of Hawaii?
2: Oh, yeah, you know, that that's gotten me a lot. Just knowing that I have my mom just with me, you know, she's with me every step of the way from above and always watching over me. So, you know, it's it's nice having having that and just knowing that, you know, she's always with me and just on the island, you know, with my brothers, you know, like we've, we've been together that class of 2018 that came in here since our freshman year and we're all tight, you know, we're close and just, you know, having that trust and just those relationships on and off the field, which is going to last a lifetime. It's just, it's just really special to me. And I ho- it, it really means a lot to me. Just to be able to, you know, just have guys like that that I can depend on and they can depend on me. You know, I know that they got my back and I'm gonna have their back and I think on and off the field, you know, it makes us closer. And on the field, it makes us closer too. you know, we're going to play, we play for each other. You know, we gonna. I can count on them. They can count on me. And, it, it's just great, you know, to have just that that camaraderie with those guys. And, yeah.
1: It, it seemed like things came together even more in that victory over Fresno State. It puts you guys in a great position for the second half of the season. A lot of the teams that you need to go through are are left on your schedule. Uh, what, what's been sort of the mindset, the message following that win on Saturday? I know there's a bye this week, so I would imagine a little more downtime. But what's kind of been the the feeling in the locker room as you guys – get prepared uh, to head into the rest of the season coming off of this big win?
2: Um, You know, I think we we have a good mindset right now, you know, actually a great mindset, but really just coming into this, this week, you know, it's like we control our own destiny, you know, like we got a great team coming in next week, uh, Nevada, we'll go to Nevada and, you know, it's really on us though. You know, we, how are we going to practice every day? We got to come to practice, come to work every day. And, you know, we, we challenging ourselves at this point, you know, we already know every, every team in the mountain West is going to be good. Like the past, our two conference games have came down to the last play of the game. So we already know that we're going to get every team's best and every team's going to get our best. And, you know, we really just gotta, you know, stay on it, hold each other accountable and do the little things and, you know, take, take it one game at a time. And that's all we can do. Not, not get too high on the highs and too lows on the lows and just, just take care of business. And, you know, that's all we can pray for. Everything works out. It was one of those nights on Saturday. Right. And the only thing
0: missing obviously was the, the boisterous crowd hanging on every play. Uh, but when you guys have it going like that, and you're seeing the progression of the game and you're realizing, even after you go up and give up a lead and then get down a couple touchdowns and find your way back into it, like as this thing is going and you're starting to realize like we are in this, we have a chance to knock off a nationally ranked opponent uh, what is that mood like on the sideline? What is that communication like and, and sort of what is working inside of you?
2: Um, honestly, I mean, even from like that that beginning of the game, like from warm-ups from the time, and I don't even think it's from the from the beginning of the week, you know, we've been preaching, you know, we put in the work for this, you know, this whole that whole week of practice. We had a great week of practice, and you know, we had new going into the week that we were gonna be down shevin And, you know, we all just rallied behind Braden and, you know, the defense we took that as just like a challenge, you know, we got to have Braden's back and we got to step up and play our best game. Um, And so just having that that work on the field, I think it led to just on the field, you know, there was no chaos when, whether we was down a touchdown or two touchdowns, you know, the talk was always positive. Like, let's go, like, we need to turn over right here. Who's going to make the next play? Like, let's get the ball back to the offense, you know, let them do what they do. So it was a lot of just, positive encouragement going on and guys stepping up and making plays, you know, and I mean, when you have stuff like that happening, you know, not not bickering because I've been on teams, you know, in high school, you had finger a lot of finger pointing when stuff goes bad, you know, and it was none of that. So I think that's the difference when it comes to games like that, uh, winning and losing, whether, you know, when adversity hits because adversity is going to hit at some point in the game um how are you going to handle it you know is is it going to be finger pointing or is it just going to be everybody coming together and you know finding the the way to turn this thing around and flip the energy you know because
0: it seems as though you guys are as a defense trending in the right direction you you're turning the ball over at high frequency the last few ball games You know, you guys are making a lot of plays in the backfield, applying pressure. Um, It it seems as though things are trending in the right way. But you guys hear some of the criticism uh, from outside of the program early on in the season. You know, people talking about how this defense couldn't stop the run and that was their bugaboo. And so how much of this is just you guys as a unit starting to click better with the scheme and each other uh, versus you know just we had a, a couple of, of consecutive positive or or fortunate weeks.
2: Yeah, um, you know I think you know we we all knew like those those first three games you know we didn't we didn't play good football you know and I think it kind of was a gut check for all of us um, and a humbling experience because you know something wasn't clicking you know we had all we have all the right pieces on the team. So I think we we all just uh took a step back, you know, and just evaluated and you know, we had to change how we was practicing, you know, what are we doing enough, you know, we gotta watch more tape, you know. But I mean, it was it was a humbling, little humbling experience, but you know, I'm glad, you know, we've overcame it and we, you know, we've been putting in the work and we gotta keep it going because, you know, the sky's a limit for this defense. And at the end of the day, like we want it to be, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want it to be no other way, you know. And so, yeah,
0: you talk about even during the game, trying not to get on each other, trying to maintain a certain positive spirit, even over the course of a first half of a season, how difficult is that to, to not just maintain faith in one another, but even maintaining faith in the system that are what the coach is preaching to us is the right thing we have to buy in. We have to maintain that faith. Does that get hard for a player sometimes?
2: Um, no, I don't, I don't think so, you know, uh, I feel like all that stuff is really just built in, you know, and that stuff comes with all the off-season training we do, you know, those relationships, you know, we're constantly together, we're grinding, you know, and that stuff like that is building us, you know, building it up and just building just a camaraderie up, you know, and I think having just a group of close guys, you know, together um, and going through a lot of obstacles like that is only going to make the bond tighter, you know, um, but honestly, I think we just, we started playing better. I don't think, you know, those, those three games, I don't think they defined how we were as a defense, you know, I mean, we, at the end of the day, like how I look at it, you know, that's what happened in the past, you know, we're not looking in the rearview mirror and it's only up from here, but we got to continue to put in the work, you know, uh, cause we, we've left a lot of opportunities, you know, like on the, on the table where we could have Held teams to scoreless, you know? And that's our goal here is to get turnovers, get the ball back to the offense so they can do what they do and not give up no points. You know, we're trying to play get really great defense here. And, you know, we we started off slow and we starting to pick it up, but, you know, we got, we still got a long way to go, but we got to keep the foot on the gas and keep elevating every week.
1: Yeah. And, and with with the knowledge that, um, you know, the, the, the freshman Braden Shaker is going to start in that ball game, is that, something that gets discussed on the defensive side of the football like hey guys we got to pick it up right we chevin's uh, not in there today or or is it just hey just, you just keep your head down and you do your business there but w- what's that dynamic like when you know hey we, we we got a guy making his first start on the other side of the football for you h
2: um I, you know i don't think everybody's like mindset was because brayden had a really great camp you know so it was like Man, like you can't this guy, I, I had all my trust in this guy because I know I seen him work, you know. He had a he came in here, really humble kid, really talented kid um and player and just was going, just did it did, did we had to do, you know. And I seen him make those throws, you know, he had a great, excellent fall camp. So it was more just rallying behind him, you know, knowing that we got him and just we're gonna do whatever we can to keep the ball in his hands so we're off the field as much as we can and just I think just knowing that you have a defense behind, like had a defense behind him, like we did this past week, just was able to calm him so he can make plays, you know, and settle down. Because I mean, I know how it is. I remember like my first start as a freshman. I was really nervous, but having like guys that were like upperclassmen at the time, like Kalen Hicks and Ika Keke and stuff, guys to say, you know, just to be in my ear, like you know, you've been doing this your whole life. Like just settle down, take a deep breath, you know. It's it's just football at the end of the day, so. You know, we had guys like that, you know, just in his ear. Not crazy, but, you know, just just letting him know, like, hey, you're going to be good. Like, we got you. Like, let's go. Let's go play some football. Let's go beat this. Let's go win this game, you know. And, you know, he did great. He played a hell of a game, you know, and I'm proud of him and the accomplishments that he got. You know, he definitely works hard for that. And he has a really bright future.
1: Is it is it weird to be the the older guy now? Whereas you know you're talking about some of the guys that that help mentor you, is it is it a little strange that you're now in their shoes and you got guys like like Braden and some of these young guys that that you know maybe look up to you? What what's what's that been like for you here yeah, in the last couple crazy. of seasons?
2: It's crazy, you know, and uh, this is like something we always talk about in our house, you know, because I stay with uh, Solo Pulu and Jonah Alulu. So, you know, just we always uh, just looking back on those times, like, man, like we was just freshmen, like in those positions and just looking at how time flies. It's like it's crazy to see, like, this is our fourth year here in this program. And it's just crazy and how how fast it went. But, you know, we we enjoyed every moment of it and enjoying every moment of it still. But, you know, it, it it's great to have like guys like that because, you know, they help you. I mean, like as a freshman, your mind's all over the place. You know, your first year of college football, you got school, you got all this. And just having, like, those role models to look up to, you know, and just help you, those older brothers, just to help calm you down and guide you in the right direction, you know, so you can do your four years and get through this to know that you're going to be good, you know, and show you the ropes. It's, just, it's, it's good to have. But looking back at it, you know, it's just crazy to see, like, man, you know, I was once in their shoes and now, you know, They look it up to me now. And I was just, when I was in their shoes, I was looking up to them and it's just crazy.
0: It's really easy, obviously coming off of a game like that particularly, but it's really easy to focus on just what you are as a football player and bypass or lose sight of what you do in the classroom and off of the football field. I know that that was a promise you made to your mom, basically, right, was that you were going to go to college, you're going to get your degree, and you have done so in a way that is extremely impressive, a three-time Mountain West all-academic selection. Can you talk about the pride you take in that part of the student athlete equation and, and even sort of where you are as it pertains to your degree and, and your future educationally.
2: Yeah, you know, I take that with tremendous pride. You know, I always was preach, you know, I've had an older brother who went to college and he got his degree, you know, and I seen him put in the work too, you know, and on top of that, just having that promise, you know, to my mom, it's always been like my fuel, you know, just like I'm more than an athlete too, you know, I got to get this degree. Like I was given this opportunity to, Go to to go to school for free, so to be able to have the opportunity, you know, I got to take advantage of it. So, you know, I'm currently this is my I'm on my last semester of school, so I will be graduating this fall with the degree in kinesiology. Wow! So definitely, you know, blessed and excited, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, you know, I feel like I've been in school for a long time, but, you know, I just can't wait to get that degree and just be able to just really just look up and, you know, tell my mom, like, this is for you, you know, I did it and it's been a lot of hard work, but it, you know, it, it was all worth it for sure. So. well, you guys have
0: another great opportunity to to prove the medal of this program against the Nevada team in a couple of weeks, led by Carson Strong, a quarterback who's summer speculating maybe the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh how do you guys approach this as far as the opportunity to make another statement almost as a hana hole to what you did against Fresno?
2: Yeah, you know, this team is going to be, it's going to be ultimate test right here, you know, we're going up to Nevada, you know, this is a really great team, you know, they're playing really good football. They got a lot of dudes on offense, a great running back, great receiving core, and the quarterback is really good, you know, so, you know, just coming into this game, you know, it's great this bye week happened, you know, we're getting a week, an extra week to prepare for them while they're still preparing for uh, New Mexico State this week and about to play. So you know, we we take definitely taking advantage of that, watching a lot of film um, and being able to practice and just get a lot of looks in. Um, but you know, we've had a great mindset this week. You know, this bye week is really it's not a bye week. You know, it's it's still a week of practice. You know, we're here to get better. And you know, if you look at if you look at it like a bye week, you know, then you're wrong because <laughs> <laughs> if, if the goals we got, you know, what we have on the table, we're trying to win the Mountain West Championship. And if you you taking this week off, you know, it's wrong. Um, and nobody's doing that. We've had a great week of practice this week. So but I mean, really, we just gotta just focus on ourselves. I mean, I really feel the only way like a team can beat us is if we beat ourselves. you know we gotta, we gotta come and show up to every day, take care of business throughout the week. and when we come to, when it comes to the game time, play our game and just do what it is we do. And I feel like yeah, the rest will take care of itself. But yeah,
0: there, there may not be a, a game schedule this week, but it's a work week. There's there's no denying that.
2: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because we got to work. <laughs> got to get to work.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you have been. And I think we're seeing the fruits of that labor. And uh, man, you're a role model, I think, with what you do as a student athlete, both as a student and as an athlete. And it's great to see you catch the kind of recognition you've been receiving here this week. Continued success. Good luck in a couple weekends against Nevada. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us, Corey.
2: No, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it.
0: All right, thanks once again to Corey Bethley. We uh, appreciate his time. And uh, again, it just becomes very obvious, Jordan. He's also a really, really down-to-earth, humble, good guy. Yeah, he's. Um, you can tell he's mat- he's a mature guy, right? He's he's been here for a
1: while. <laughs> we, we we talked to him a little bit about that, but but he is a guy that that just has great perspective. He's super grounded, right, and and very focused on um, you know getting the goals he accomplished done whether it's on the football field or in the classroom and and it's hard not to root for a guy like that got to tip my cap
0: yeah well said all right time for our post game and our best and worst brought to you by Waste Pro Hawaii Maui's premier full service refuse company offering various sizes of dumpsters and roll off containers for commercial construction and residential use family owned and operated with over 40 years of service to the Maui community Waste Pro Hawaii is committed to customer service and responsible waste management visit wasteprohawaii.com for services information all right let's go with our best and worst we'll start with the best uh, and my best the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team improving to 4 and 0 in the big west conference it did not come easy but it did come with a signature sweep victory over longtime rival long beach state at simplify arena at stan sheriff center they followed that up with a win over cal state fullerton which was a little bit more difficult hawaii going five sets with the Titans after really kind of winning in fairly lopsided or at least a pretty economical fashion against Cal State Fullerton in the first two sets. Uh, Then just a weird turnaround in that third frame. Cal State Fullerton pulls it out late, uh, and then they just obliterate the Wahine in set four, Uh, but Hawaii was able to put it together, led by a bunch of new faces, right? Kate Lang, who's really stepped up as the setter, as just a freshman the last two weeks, leading them to this uh, 4-0 start in conference. Uh, Tele Ikenaga, the libero freshman out of muanalua has just been really great and awesome and has uh, looked very poised out there on the floor, regardless of the circumstance. Uh, you have the veteran players, Amber IGD, who by all accounts uh, among her teammates is the hardest hitter on the squad as she takes the floor. And then Brooke Van Sickle being the leader all around player. Uh, it seems as though they're they're still trying to find uh, some of the uh, appropriate go-to people at the pins. Uh, but Riley Wagner's had a pretty good start to her conference season. Uh, and then Braylon Akana, the Kamehameha alum, uh, she has assumed the starting responsibilities at the opposite hitter position. And she is just banging balls. I mean, she is crushing sets that come her way. So, hey, sometimes it looks pretty. Sometimes it doesn't look so pretty. Hawaii off to a 4-0 start uh, in conference play. Uh, that is my best.
1: What's yours? Yeah, my best. Uh, just a, a final thought on, on UH. Yeah, I, I like what they've put, uh, they're putting together. I just, I don't know how many times I've seen a, a match where a, a, a team wins a set 25-13 and then loses a set 25-13. And that, that's what Hawaii did. But as you mentioned, Four and and that's really all that matters in it. Then uh, teaching moments for this, uh, you know, some inexperienced team. My best, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's on all of NBA's social accounts, so you know on Twitter, like the NBA official accounts. It's this, it's like a three-minute video. It's like welcome to NBA Lane. Um, and it is in, in part to kick off their 75th anniversary season. Uh, and it's great. And it's it's Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan to clarify, not the Michael Jordan. Uh, driving a school bus, <laughs> picking up some kids like in the neighborhood. And they are just like driving around the neighborhood. And it's got like every big NBA great that is still with us. Uh, a lot of the great stars. And it's got Jerry West playing chess with Lil Penny. I don't know if you remember Lil Penny, like the little figurine Penny Hardaway. Uh, it's got Oscar Robinson. It's got Magic Johnson. It's It's got all of these guys, Bill Russell. And then a lot of the it's sort of the fill in in between Uh, And it's a pretty cool video. It's it's hard over the the platform of a podcast, but uh, go check it out. Go check it out on all the NBA social media accounts. It's a pretty cool little montage they got going on. And uh, just a reminder that uh, it's basketball season, apparently.
0: That's right. And a reminder that at one time, Penny Hardaway was huge and little Penny was a fantastic character and it was a great marketing campaign uh, with Chris Rock. Who voiced Lil' yep. Penny. It was it was awesome. So yeah, uh, just a reminder of, of those times is pretty cool. So I like your best, that's for sure. We flip it over to our worst and uh, my worst. I'll go first. Uh, I had a lot to think about here because I was thinking, do I go with Kyrie Irving, uh, possibly uh, sacrificing uh, his role on his team, not being able to play in home games because he is yet to be vaccinated? Uh, do I go with Sage Steele and some of the very questionable and some would suggest uh, inappropriate statements that she made on J. Cutler's podcast. And just the fact that she was on Jay Cutler's podcast probably makes her a candidate to be a worst for me. Uh, or do I go with uh, what I ultimately chose, which is Facebook, right? You had the whistleblower that appeared on 60 Minutes. Uh, her name was Frances Haugen, and uh, she worked in data science for Facebook and basically came out and said uh, that the algorithms for Facebook uh, targeted misinformation, that it actually elevated and amplified misinformation uh, in order to try to create more controversy, which in turn drew people, ironically enough, to the app, Uh, even how it negatively impacted because of the imaging on social media, teenage girls, uh, often early teens, uh, and some of the fallout from that. And it's just really despicable stuff. Uh, And after this 60 Minutes report, what a coincidence, the next day, Facebook and Instagram globally goes down. They totally weren't trying to, you know, erase some of those algorithms and the evidence that would maybe uh, confirm what the whistleblower was saying. I mean, that's obviously a conspiracy theory here, but it just was a bit of a head scratcher and a reminder that social media is both the maybe the best and maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity, right? I mean, global connectedness is is pretty cool. And I think there are a lot of great things to extract from that, uh, but it also gives voice to the lunatic fringe. And, and certainly in this perverse Presentation uh, that this whistleblower is painting the image of uh, it does a lot of bad. It is it is a detriment in a great way to society and the way our society is actually connected uh, to one another. I think the divisiveness that comes out of what this whistleblower is saying is the approach by Facebook as a corporation. Uh, scary, scary stuff. So uh, that's my worst, and uh, we will be posting the promo for this episode on instagram uh, at some point in time ironically
1: yeah again it's <laughs> it's uh you know it's got it's got some redeeming qualities but but yeah it is uh boy a lot of the things that i think we already knew just just seeing the curtain pulled back a little bit as well yeah it's uh what a mess
0: yeah what a mess a mess. that is
1: are you it's, wait uh, are you
0: on facebook because i actually am not on facebook i'm i'm on instagram I and still Twitter. i still
1: am yeah i still am on facebook
0: okay and i'm over 40 so i have to be on linkedin too that's right. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think after you get over
1: 50, you got to rejoin Facebook. <laughs> you got a lot of the posts on there, man. It is uh, whoo. All right. Well, graphic. that's, yeah. that's a
0: pretty bad worst. Um, uh, you, you have one that's uh, also uh, a really tough one that, that was in the news that people had to to digest here this past week.
1: Yeah. My, mine's isn't, uh, mine's isn't any better. Uh, the, my worst is the NWSL uh, women's soccer league. In the United States, you know, they pride themselves in kind of being, if not the preeminent league in the world. It's got a lot of U.S. national team stars that play a lot of stars from, from different countries as well. But um, if you haven't, go check out The Athletic, um, their story and reporting they did um, in in kind of uh, blowing the whistle on some, of, some really dark stuff uh, when it comes to pos- people in position of power within the league, uh, particularly males and uh, male coaches within the league. Um, and one of the, uh, brave individuals who actually spoke up on the record really for the first time, um, publicly, um, is Mana Shim, uh, Meliana Shim. Uh, she's a year younger than I am. She went to Kamehameha Kapalama. Uh, she's like one of the best soccer players to ever come out of this state, played at Santa Clara, um, went on to play for the under 23 national team, uh, for the United States, and then had a, had a long career playing in the NWSL, Uh, for the Portland Thorns under then head coach Paul Riley who is kind of the central figure to all of this um, as he has been accused of some deplorable things sexual coercion harassment basically sexual assault um, in various forms and fashion um, as well as Sinead Farrelly who also uh, went on the record Um, and it is very disturbing stuff and it is also very disturbing when you see the trail that follows Riley from his time when he was the coach of the Portland Thorns um, when Melia or when mono was playing there um, and, and now in his position. Well, previously with, with the North Carolina franchise, which he has since been fired and how he got a job after um, some things were raised internally, Alex Morgan, who is actually very tight um, with Monashim, uh, has been one of their advocates and, and publicly put out there, some emails sent to league leadership and, and passed um internal investigations that happened in portland that happened um when paul Riley was was subsequently hired for the new york franchise which then relocated to north uh, north carolina there are a whole lot of details um it is very 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 disturbing um it is all too reminiscent in all of the wrong ways to some of the stuff you see with usa gymnastics and what happened to those poor women and girls um, and it is terrible. it would take a whole lot to to kind of get into all the details. so I encourage you to go check out the athletic article. Uh, ESPN also has some has done some really good reporting uh, via espn.com on this as well. and uh, I just wanted to to kind of you know tip my cap to to mana and and Sinead Fairley fairly um and for for having the courage to to go out there and, and you know and, and put themselves out there and, and put this on the record and and it has led to a lot already in just basically a week since this story broke in the athletic and and when I saw the names, I was like, damn, you know, I, we, we crossed paths with uh, Mana's teams uh, when we were playing at youth tournaments on Oahu on the mainland um, and, and knew some of her teammates from high school and from from club. And and it just just breaks my heart and, and it kind of hits close to home. And it's just it's just absolutely terrible. So um, yeah, uh, kudos to Mana and, and Sinead's Courage and, and all the others who have subsequently spoke up and will continue to. It's just, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, I think if, if there was any reason for anybody to feel like this is something that happens far away, this is a reminder that it doesn't, right? This kind of stuff can hit close to home. I think it makes it more real for a lot of people. It is a far too familiar type of scenario that we're seeing play out. And I think uh, the only silver lining to this is that this kind of information is starting to become uh, part of the public domain. And so the the greater we understand Uh, The reality of these situations and the more that we hold the people responsible accountable, uh, then I feel like that can lead to healing that can lead to a greater uh, overall general understanding which can create then healthier environments for our young women athletes Uh, and I think everyone can get on board with the idea of wanting to achieve that. Uh, All right. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Good stuff. That's our best and worst brought to you by Waste Pro Hawaii Maui. Own Maui, operated for Maui's people. Big mahalo once again to Corey Bethley. Uh, Good luck to him and the rest of the Rainbow Warriors against Nevada in a couple of weeks. We'll break down that matchup on our next podcast episode. Hit us up on Twitter at Leahy at Jordan Helley, or at TalkSports808. Jordan, see you next week. Have a good weekend. Go Lions. Have a good weekend, man. Looking forward to seeing my hat.